Hey, Crime Sound listeners, this is our very first bonus episode, and it's a full episode, no ads, just crime. And we're so grateful for Himalaya to set this up for us. They're awesome and great to work with. And for you as a listener, this wouldn't even be possible. So thanks for being a Crime Sound investigator. So in this episode, we will cover a pretty disturbing case. Are you ready, Ricky? Yep, let's do it. All right. So it happened in Los Angeles, California in the year of 2016. And please be prepared as the details of this murder are so horrible. You'd think that we would be covering a dark and gory Halloween movie. But no, unfortunately, the story we're about to tell is true. We would like to credit our sources, which include National Post, LinkedIn, The Hollywood Reporter, The LA Times, Melrose Action News, The Montreal Gazette, and CBS News, all which can be found on our website at crimesaladpodcast.com. Blake Libel was born May 8, 1981, into a very wealthy family, growing up in Canada along with his parents named Eleanor and Lorne Libel, and his brother Cody. Both of their parents were extremely wealthy individually, so the kids grew up with very lavish lifestyles. However, while the kids were still young, the parents agreed to be separated, while Blake lived with his mother and Cody lived with his father. The father, Lauren Libel, was known as a very successful man in the Toronto area. He raced offshore powerboats and he owned and raced a number of Ferraris while making a living as a real estate developer at his family-owned business, known to be a billion-dollar business, building Canadian homes in the surrounding Toronto area. But today, he seems to stay under the radar, especially on the internet. The mother, Eleanor Libel, was the heiress of a million-dollar Canadian company that was established in 1957, known today as Polytar Products, LTD a plastic sheeting company which started as a small business built by her father. So yeah, the two were born on paved paths towards success. Blake grew a fascination for a creative lifestyle as he became more independent. He moved to the United States in 2004 with a few friends and basically continued to live off his parents' money for the most part, which in total he received about $1.8 million in seven years just to paint the picture, but he really wasn't lazy when it came to his own success. He was ambitious and driven, using his love for science fiction, his fascination for psychology and creative thinking to do many creative projects, and all while living in Hollywood, California. He did create a few projects. He was a part of a team of writers who wrote the cartoon version of a cult classic, Spaceballs. He also wrote and directed the college comedy called Bald which came out in 2008. We came across the trailer on YouTube and it seems like your typical raunchy college film where the main character is going bald and he plans to raise money for his hair transplant. So he had a bit of a creative side and well, he had the money to do it. He also is listed as a creator of a book along with two writers and an illustrator called Syndrome which is about a doctor whose focus is to remove the root of evil in a serial killer's brain while doing a number of tests. It seems pretty interesting, and although neither of us have actually read the book, there's really mixed reviews on how disturbing this graphic novel is, along with its comic book illustrations, which can be found on the internet 
They contain gruesome, evil acts of a woman being killed. One illustration was of a headless, naked woman posed on a bed covered in her blood. And in the bottom left corner, on one illustration, is the words in a yellow box that questions who could have done this, with the explanation of how there must have been some evil spirit that forced him to do the devil's work. So at this point, it just seems like he's kind of living a normal life in Hollywood, you know, being a creative, having a mild amount of success. But in 2011, Blake's world would take a turn when Blake's mom died from brain cancer. Things seemed to have started to spiral downward when she passed away, as she was the one who raised him and loved him for who he was. He wasn't close at all with his father, and he felt that she was all he really had. He was so devastated that he wasn't able to attend her funeral because he wouldn't have been able to handle it. Now we know she was quite wealthy. She didn't talk to her other son and her estranged husband. But after her death, there were years of legal disputes with his father and brother about his mother's assets. When Blake argued that all of his assets were to be his and his alone, as it was believed to be written in the will, but Blake got less than what he was expecting, which was about $5.5 million. I mean, to most, this still is a lot of money, but this angered Blake, and he sued in an attempt to get the will overturned because his father made his own money. His mom didn't talk to him or his brother, and to add, some people close to the family even believed that Blake's father slipped in last minute and made changes to his mother's will before she died. But after court, Blake's father got to keep his share of the money, and no changes were ever made in favor of Blake. In Blake's personal life, he was dating a former model named Amanda Braun. They got married in 2011, the same year that he lost his mother, and they had a baby together. People saw Blake as really happy, a loving father and the perfect family man. And soon enough, Amanda was pregnant with their second baby. However, things weren't really working out this time. And although we don't really have a lot of information about their personal relationship, it could have been relating to Blake's behavior. At the time, he was pouring money into his creative projects. Some of the projects not even going anywhere. They were just a waste of money. And from some of the people who worked with him, they said he was pouring money into really bad ideas. So, the two having their differences, Blake filed for divorce, leaving his eight and a half month pregnant wife behind in 2015, but planned to still be close with his children. However, once he left, it was like he completely changed, and he pretty much left his family behind. Around this time, Yana Kasha came into the picture. She was a native of the Ukraine and came to California to live the American dream. She was a model and was learning to work as a translator. Her ultimate dream coming into the United States was to raise a family here. And her dream was coming together pretty nicely when she fell in love with Blake and they started dating. And she gave birth to a baby girl in 2016. So around the year 2015, he pretty much separated himself from everyone after he got a divorce. His friends felt that this was a dramatic change. He was now spending more time with his girlfriend and their new child and another woman, a second secret girlfriend, living in another house that he owned. Her name was Constance, and according to one of Blake's friends, 
He began to get more and more paranoid about his brother Cody's involvement with poker. See, Cody was part of a very elite group of underground high-stakes poker players. Blake would attend some of these games, but Cody was the one that was really involved in the scene. One time betting and losing over a million dollars in one game. Blake became obsessed with the idea that Cody owed money to the mob and that his family was in danger because of this. In one event, Blake came across and shared a health website filled with random phrases, kind of like a ransom letter would be put together. He claimed that it said things like Cody LaBelle, gambler, $15 million losses, Las Vegas, among other things. He told his friends that he was finding stuff like this all over the internet, and he thought it was some sort of secret message trying to be communicated to him about the debts that his brother owed. We don't know if this had any truth to it, but it is possible that this was a glimpse at Blake not completely being mentally stable. We do know that Blake had a grandma on his mother's side who was mentally ill, and many of the family members made comparisons between the grandmother and Blake. On top of all of this, Blake was a heavy user of marijuana, psychedelic mushrooms, and synthetic marijuana, according to what Yana told her mother about living with Blake. This on top of mental illness could have been part to blame for the delusions that he might have been experiencing. And according to CBS News, Olga, Yana's mother, spoke about what Yana would tell her was happening in their relationship. She said that Blake was becoming very uninterested in the new baby, being that she was pregnant. He constantly demanded sex when she was recovering from a C-section from their first baby three weeks prior, and he threatened to leave her for another woman if she didn't. Olga was given a house to stay in, paid for by Blake. And Yana had her watch the baby when they were continuously arguing. And around this time, Blake was controlling her every move. So her mom said, just leave, get away from Blake and come live with her. But Yana said she couldn't. She didn't want to lose Blake. One day, Yana and her mom went shopping when she started getting text messages from Blake. And she didn't really say what they said, but she only said, I'm going to him. So basically, she's just saying... I have to leave right now and go see him. And that was the last time that her mom ever spoke to her. We're going to take a quick break here to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online service that I personally use for my mental health. They provide a number of professional licensed counselors who specialize in all situations that may be interfering with your happiness. It's seriously my personal outlet to get my mind right. It's affordable. It's so convenient. I decided to give BetterHelp a shot when I was going through a very anxious part of my life. So I just signed up and I was matched with an amazing counselor who was so willing to talk with me right away. We actually set up a video chat later in the week to catch up. We are all so busy. Give yourself the care that you need today. Start living a happier life. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash crime salad. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash crime salad. Olga said that she tried calling over and over, but it would go straight to voicemail. She had this uneasy feeling that something was wrong. 
She heard about the controlling stories and threats, and her motherly instincts just kicked in. She knew something was wrong here. Kind of riding off these instincts, her mom calls a taxi and brings one of her friends. But this was a gated community, and she just couldn't get in. But as a worried mother, she just couldn't walk away from that. And she continued to wait. Soon a resident came by and opened the community gate. She made her way to Blake's apartment and began pounding on the door, but there was no answer. And she remembers seeing Blake's figure through the window when she was outside, so she knew Blake was home. But why wasn't he answering the door? So Olga called the police. Now the struggle with this was... Olga did not speak English, so it was a bit of a challenge until police were able to get an interpreter on the line. She urged police that she needs to get into that apartment, that her daughter is in danger. The police agreed to do a welfare check, but found that no one was answering the door. Yana's mom was demanding that they break the door down, but the response was because they heard no one screaming or any indication of foul play, they never did. Blake was inside the apartment. He wasn't answering. What was he hiding? Police tried to call Blake, but it just went straight to voicemail. Police waited there for a few hours and eventually left because they couldn't do anything. The next day, Olga went back to that apartment property. She called the police again, this time being a little more demanding that her daughter is in trouble and needs help. When police arrived, they were able to get a key from the property manager but the door was locked from the inside by a deadbolt, so they knew someone was inside. They break the door down and make their way inside. The apartment is quiet. They see a shut door that appears to be locked, which is in the hallway leading to the other bedrooms in the apartment. They take the hinges off the door and come across the first room, the guest bedroom. The headboard of the bed was marked with blood, so they knew something happened here. The master bedroom was also locked and barricaded, covered by furniture. Blake is in that room, and he was yelling to police that Yana is not home. Blake didn't know what to do. He called his friend, who actually is seen on surveillance, running over. But he sides with police when he gets there, telling Blake that he needs to come out. Blake eventually pushed the furniture aside, and the first thing that was seen was a smeared blood stain on the wall as if someone tried to clean it. Blake stood there watching as police looked over the room with no emotion, like a typical psychopath. Then, in the room was a Mickey Mouse blanket covering up a body looking unusually pale. They found it to be Yana, who was lifeless lying on a pillow with her deep cutting injuries. Looking closer, they saw her body was mutilated in unspeakable, sadistic ways. It showed investigators that she was tortured with a knife, mostly to her face and head, including an eyebrow that appeared to be cut completely off along with her skin, and even scalping was done. All to believe that this happened before the blood of her body was completely drained. But where was the blood? The amount of blood on the scene was not comparable to what would be expected. Blake was handcuffed and taken down to the station. Police found scratches and bruises on his face and bite marks on his arm. On our website, we'll post this picture of Blake. It's his mugshot. He has a creepy smile and bruising on his face. 
During questioning, he kept saying over and over that he did not do it. This is the mother of his child, and he has the nerve to say he didn't do it, even though he barricaded himself in a room with Yana's body and blood all over the walls. And since then, he never gave an explanation as to even what happened. His only statement was that science will tell you who did this. Luminol was used to test the area, and the pictures of this horrific scene can be found online. It's quite disturbing. To the naked eye, the only thing investigators came across were a few blood stains on the mattress, the headboard, some on the carpeting in the master bedroom. But when Luminol was used, the apartment was glowing, which revealed traces of blood in areas that Blake attempted to clean. The sink, the tub, and the floor of the bathroom were covered in glowing blue luminescence. Even though at first glance, the bathroom was fairly clean, it's believed that this is where Blake drained her body. The county coroner, Dr. James Ribes, identified more gruesome details, revealing that her entire scalp was removed and it was never found. A number of defensive wounds were found all over her body, Bruises and abrasions were on her face and bite marks. Parts of her face were torn off as she was missing her right ear and the right side of her face down to her jaw. His investigation revealed that Yana lived for about eight hours through an extreme amount of torture before she died. And her cause of death was listed as exsanguigation, the process of draining blood from a body where you bleed to death. Her body shows signs that her heart was beating while she sustained the injuries. Investigators found pieces of her flesh in the room and several garbage bags in the dumpster and in the building's trash chute. During the search, they also found bloody towels and Blake's shirt that was covered in Yana's blood, but her scalp was never found. What adds to this horrible crime is that investigators believe that this murder is very similar to the book that was created by Blake, a book we mentioned earlier called Syndrome, where a killer hangs a woman by her feet, draining her blood, and another drawn-out illustration of a headless woman lying on a bed naked and lifeless. And what's even more sick is this book can still be found on Amazon. During the trial, prosecutors called this book the blueprint of Blake's crime scene. And if you have some time for yourself, you can check out the illustrations online. They're a bit bizarre. It was now June 2018. Blake sat in a courtroom wearing a fitted navy blue suit. And the only family member to show up was his own brother and his ex-wife. And for his father, well, he never showed up. And actually, to this day, he never spoke to police or anyone about his son, Blake. Blake sat there looking emotionless as he was being stared down by people who couldn't even believe what he did. Especially Yana's mother, who cried and forced herself to look at the images of her daughter. And even one juror had to leave the room because the images of the crime scene were just so graphic. And when it was explained that her body was covered in defense wounds... Yana's mother walked out of the courtroom, unable to listen to another word about how her daughter tried to fight back against this monster. Prosecutors argued that Blake was motivated by envy and anger, saying he became jealous of the attention Yana gave to their newborn. And one of the worst parts about this is the prosecution actually opted not to seek the death penalty in this case, 
One in part because Blake didn't have any past criminal record, but also because there's just a massive backlog of inmates already awaiting execution in California. So I guess it's good that Blake will kind of just have to spend the rest of his days miserable in a jail cell, you know, and not be able to live that lavish lifestyle that he's used to. And it didn't take much to convince the jury that Blake was guilty. Actually, it only took about 90 minutes for them to decide. He was found guilty of first-degree murder and given extra life sentences for the torture and aggravated mayhem convictions. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And after the verdict, Yana's daughter is now in Olga's custody, where they both live in the Ukraine. The Los Angeles judge has ordered Blake to pay $41.6 million to Yana's family. But the family has still yet to see or receive any of those earnings whatsoever from the court order. Tied up with the logistical repercussions of the murder, Olga was forced to miss her own daughter's funeral in the Ukraine. A friend of Yana's spoke about how Blake always seemed to be gentle with Yana, and though maybe there were abuse between the two, she even said, quote, I think maybe it could be something she didn't tell anyone about his behavior. One of the last things that Olga said to the media is Blake didn't just kill Yana, he killed all of us. And this concludes this month's bonus episode. And be sure to check out pictures of this case on our website at crimesaladpodcast.com where you can see pictures of Blake, his victim, and illustrations from his book Syndrome. You're also invited to join us on our Crime Salad Facebook discussion group where you can post links to cases you think are interesting or share anything crime-related and meet other true crime salad investigators just like yourself. And feel free to bring a friend. And if you would like to support Crime Salad, write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us now. This really helps move us up in the charts so other listeners can get their hands on Crime Salad. And remember to follow us on Instagram and be sure to tell a friend about Crime Salad. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next month for our next bonus episode. Crime Salad is a true crime podcast delivering a healthy portion of crime. Crime Salad is a weird salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect.